Amen. I'm reading tonight from the book of Job, chapter 17. And the main portion of Scripture is going to be verses 10 to 14, but I'm going to start at verse 1. Job, chapter 17, and verse 1. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Job said, my breath is corrupt and my days are extinct. The graves are ready for me. He talks about how the wicked come and resist the righteous. This chapter keys on that. But let's go to verse 10. I want to get to the crux of what he says. He says, but as for you all, do you return and come now? For I cannot find one wise man among you. My days are past. And my purposes are broken off. Even the thoughts of my heart. They, when he says they, he means the wicked. They changed the night into day. The light is short because of darkness. If I wait, the grave is mine, mine house. And I have made my bed in the darkness. I have said to corruption, thou art my father. To the worm, thou art my mother and my sister. Amen. Job speaks in the spirit and he confronts an ancient enemy, an enemy that wars against every person in this building tonight, an enemy that the church of the living God was put into this world to resist. And by the help of the Lord, I want to talk to you for a few moments on a subject I will entitle Enemies of Corruption. Enemies of Corruption. Let's lift our hands. Let's pray together one more time. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now that your spirit would be in this house. I pray, God, that your spirit would speak to the hearts of every man, woman, every young person. Let your grace cover them. Let your spirit overshadow them. I rebuke the devil. I rebuke every unclean spirit that would try to take dominion in this house. And I gird up the loins of my mind. And I rise up in my most holy faith. And I speak life and strength and power and dominion into this sanctuary tonight. We give you praise and glory and honor. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How many are glad what Jesus has done in your life? How many are glad that you have the Holy Ghost and that you have the name that's above every name? Yes, 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 yes. Praise God. Amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated.
it never, it never ceases to amaze me how God's church operates. The combination of God's word coupled with God's spirit combined with the faith of believing people produces an elixir, a concoction that is able to drive out darkness. I have sat and listened to preachers preach this week and speak to my heart and push back chaos and tell the darkness you can't come in here. Not in this church. Not in this camp meeting. Not among these people. Tell the devil, get out. And don't come back. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the blood of Jesus. I'm talking about the grace of Jesus Christ. I've heard the spirit of prophecy go forth this week. I've heard things in the Holy Ghost that have confirmed things in my spirit as to what I was going to preach tonight and what God had laid upon my heart. And I just love God's church. Amen. I'm glad I'm not in the church that Martin Luther built. I'm glad I'm not in the church that Wesley built and Calvin built and Knox built. I'm, I'm, not in, I'm not in the church that the Pope built, but I'm in the church that Jesus built because he said, upon this rock I will build, not their church, but my church. My church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. It'll prevail against those churches. It'll push back against those churches. It will encroach upon those churches, but not my church. It shall not prevail against my church. And the Jesus name, One God Church, is the only power in this world that can stop sin's cycle. It's the only one that can speak to the spirit world and say, you have no authority here. You have no dominion here. For about two hours, three hours tonight, we're caught up together to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I'm tapping into miracles. I'm tapping into the supernatural. I'm tapping into worship. I'm tapping into angelic hosts. 
I'm, I'm running the devil out of this building. I'm running him out of my home, out of my marriage, out of my children, out of my teenager, out of my youth group. Get out. Get out. You don't belong here. We take dominion in Jesus' name. We take authority in Jesus' name. I'm running him out of my mind. I'm running him out of my spirit. This house is a house of prayer. This sanctuary is a place of refuge. This is the strong tower that the righteous runneth into it. And they are safe. I'm talking about the church. Praise God. It's important because God is interested in the church manifesting and giving expression to his nature. Amen. Um, I heard Bishop Holmes say it the other night when he made the statement. He was just taking up the offering just in an offhanded way. He said, it is the nature of God to give. It's a simple statement, and it might fly by the heads of some, but, but it registered in my spirit. And in its simplicity, it is so very profound. It is God's nature to give. We quote the scripture that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And carnal people think that's just the way preachers get money. <laughs> but the truth is, it really is more blessed. Something unlocks when you give. Something loosens in the spirit world when you give. When a person makes up their mind, I will give, they're not just giving of their substance because the truth is you don't have any substance to give. Amen. That air you're breathing, that's not your air, that's God's air. That, that, that life that's in you, that's not yours, that's God's. God breathed that and and man became a living soul. This body, God gave it to me. These clothes I'm wearing, God gave them to me. That car that I drive, God gave it to me. The family that I have, God gave it to me. My children, God gave them to me. Hallelujah. The home that I live in, God gave it to me. The food that I eat, God gave it, God gave it, God gave it, God gave it to me. Hallelujah. God gives and he supplies and it's his nature. And the truth is that I'm leasing while I'm here. I'm occupying while I'm here. The gold that I've accumulated will go to someone else when I die. The material possessions that I have will go to someone else when I die. The body that I have will go back to the earth 
ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And it will go back. My spirit will go back into the one who gave it. I am renting space here for a little while. But God owns everything. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. The heavens and the heavens of heavens belong unto him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The cattle on a thousand hills. If he were hungry, he would not tell us. I don't have anything to give. But when I take what God has entrusted me with and I give, I'm not losing anything. I'm tapping into God's nature. I'm reflecting a little bit of his ways. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm demonstrating a little divine precedent when I give because God gives. Praise the Lord. When that little widow woman came with her mites and the wealthy man came in and threw of his abundance into the offering, the disciples saw the wealthy man and exclaimed, but God only had eyes for the woman. God's eyes were on the giver. Heaven's accountants started tabulating. The ledgers started whirring. Angels started recording when two little mites plunked into the bottom of that offering plate. Hallelujah. And while everybody saw the abundance, God saw the giving. Hallelujah. If you want God's attention, become a giver. Give your time. Give your energy. Give your prayer. Give your thanks. Worship doesn't work by asking. Worship works by giving. If you want a miracle, bless him. If you want an answer, bless him. If you want the Holy Ghost, don't beg him for the Holy Ghost. Don't be a taker. Bless him. Somebody, why don't you give God a little glory right now? Why don't you open up your mouth and say, I don't have everything. I don't have much, but such as I have, give I thee. Here it is, Jesus. Take it from me, Jesus. It all belongs to you anyway. Align me with your nature tonight. Amen. I, I, I used to read the Beatitudes, and when I would read them, I would think, I don't know if I want to do that. Beatitudes don't sound like fun. Beatitudes sound like a license to get beat up. <laughs> if somebody takes 
See, the nature of sin is different than God's nature. Sin takes. There's a lot of words that can be used to describe it. One word is consume. Another word is corrupt. Another word is devour. Another word is steal. But they all mean the same thing. That means it is a taking kind of a dynamic. And when Jesus came, he was confronting the spirit of this world. And he was saying, if you're going to be a child of God, this is how children of God operate. If somebody takes something from you, let them take it and give them more. If someone speaks evil of you, bless them. When they curse you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you for my sake, rejoice. And be exceeding glad. That means when they gossip about you, you are mandated to praise God. When they tear down your reputation, lift up your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. You don't draw, you don't draw your strength from people. You draw your strength from God. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for so did they unto the prophets that were before you. Hey, that gives me a lot of reason to praise him tonight. That you don't praise him just because you got a raise. You don't praise him just because something good happened. You don't praise him just because you got healed. You praise him in the bad. You praise him in want. You praise him in the negative. Because you have a heavenly father that demands it. He commands us to give. (laughs) if they smite you sin says smite them back and when I haven't prayed Nathaniel Urshan does too the problem with allowing myself to get involved in sin's cycle is that it is a corrupting thing Jesus is a cycle breaker. He stops sin in its tracks. And the way to beat sin isn't to sin. It's to do righteousness. And I used to think, it sounds like I'm going to be weak if I do what he's asking me. It sounds like nice guys finish last. If I do what he's asking me. It sounds like being a Christian means that the bully beats you up and takes your lunch money. And that doesn't sound like the will of God. God isn't interested in anybody being weak. As a matter of fact, if you have the power over yourself to do what's right, you have great power. You have power with God. But God was interested in us being his 
children. Oh, that's the reason why we turn the other cheek. He said, because I caused the sun to shine upon the evil and upon the good. And I caused the rain to fall upon the just and upon the unjust. So because you, because that's my nature, then if you're my son and if you're my daughter, that's going to be your nature too. It has nothing to do with what you get or what you don't get. It has everything to do with representing me in the earth. Hallelujah. When they take from you, you let them because it happens to me all day long. And I bless them anyway. I give them breath to breathe and they use it to curse my name. They use it to smoke cigarettes. They use it to to hate their brother and their sister. But I bless them anyway. I am the God of heaven and earth. And you are my son. And you are my daughter. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. And so you're going to represent me you're gonna manifest me you're gonna give because I give you're gonna bless because I bless you're gonna help because I help you're going this is why I turn the other cheek because he does the only way to stop sin's cycle is to is to overcome evil with good the power of long suffering the power of patience the power of the spiritual disciplines are going to be unleashed i thank god right now he doesn't treat me like i deserve this is one of the reasons why christians have to be compassionate This is why we got to have mercy upon our brother and upon our sister. This is why we have to be careful before we judge because the judgment that we meet out, the same judgment is going to come back to us. Oh, hallelujah. And I want a lot of grace in my life. I want God's mercy to be extended towards me. And so, so the first and primary reason is we reflect God's glory when we act like him in the earth. The second reason why we obey the Beatitudes is because God lets us know how he feels. <laughs> when somebody hurts you, see, it's, it's a very good thing that I'm not God. And I thank God that you aren't God too. Because I'm, I'm petty about things. When people anger me, I feel like God should smite them. And I don't make mistakes. Everybody else makes mistakes. And I'm an expert on everybody else's trouble, but I don't see mine very well. It's a good thing I'm not God. If I, was, if I had control of the rain, you could tell my enemies... My enemies would have brown lawns. Their corn would never grow. Their beans would never bud and sprout. No rain for you. 
they would have to come and grovel at my feet. And if I just felt generous, then I might give them a little drib or drab or a couple drops because that's the nature of a man. We are takers. We are consumers. We are faulty. We are broken. We are messed up. Hallelujah. But, but when God looks at people, he blesses them in spite of their dysfunction. He kept his hand on me when I didn't do it right. He kept his hand on me when I said it wrong. He watched out for me. He didn't leave me. He's not a man that he should... I have lied. I have made mistakes, but not God. He yet remaineth faithful. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and I flee into the uttermost parts of the sea, thou art there. There is no distance that God's grace can't reach you. There is no. And so when they lie about you, God puts his arm around you and says, see how it feels? When you do something good for them and they don't repay you, yeah, hurts, don't it? The response to that, to people hurting you, isn't to hate the person. The response to that is, said, is to say, God, I never knew it hurt like that. And forgive me for every time I woke up and didn't bless your name. And forgive me for every time that I stayed out of church and didn't seek your face. And forgive me for every time that I didn't read the word of God. Forgive me for every time that I backslid and took you for granted. Thank you, dear God, for the, the, the response isn't to hate them. It's to thank him for his faithfulness and to bless him for his goodness because God's given you a sneak preview into what it feels like with him every day when man slams the door, when man turns his back, when man... Wa- That's just to let you know I'm never going to do it. Give me the grace to bless him. Give me the grace to love you, Jesus. Give me the power to live for you because I... Finally see how it feels. God gives. This is what tithe and offering is all about. Amen. When a person gives tithe and offering, they're not just giving 10% of their stuff. They're just keeping 90% of God's stuff. And they learn what it, it's God's classroom session on giving. This is what it feels like to give, to steal. And he comes to kill. And he comes to destroy. I'm sick of the devil destroying young people. There's got to be an apostolic church that raises up that says, you can't have my kids. Get your hands off of my teenager. That, that has to look at corruption and say, get out of my home. Looks at Hollywood and says, get your claws out of my teenager. 
I'm not going to dress like that. I'm not going to live like that. I'm, I'm not going to allow degeneracy. I'm not going to allow corruption. Amen. To degenerate, to corrupt, to consume, these are all preceding elements of death. You'll see degeneracy all around us. You'll see corruption all around us. And, 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 and that is the cycle that is of this world. That's, that's the world's cycle. When someone backslides and leaves the church, it doesn't take them long to start losing it. You'll see them go down. You'll see relationships start to crumble. You'll see morals start to give way. You'll see it in their physical appearance as drugs take their toll. Men's hair gets longer. Women's hair gets shorter as degeneracy sets in. (laughs) Pants are no longer tightly held around the waist, but they start sagging. (laughs) (laughs) Teeth turn yellow. Eyes turn red. Hallelujah, there's a degeneracy. But the exact opposite happens. That's why I love the church. Because the world is all about degeneration. It's all about the breakdown. But the church is the only place where you can regenerate. It's the only place where a person can go from bad to better. When you come to church, your pants pull up. When you come to church, your eyes clear up. When you come to church, you clean up. When you come to church, God straightens your mind out. Your marriage starts coming back together. Your children start to settle down because the grace of God, the power... The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching them that they deny worldliness and ungodly lust. I love the church. Hey, why don't you just bless him like you're part of the church? Not, not Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Is there anybody here that's been there and has found that God is good and has found that God is faithful and has found that God is able and can say, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say, I'm one of them. Amen. You can be seated. I want to talk a little bit about what I told the young people. I, 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 I believe that there is an attack against goodness. I believe there's a, an attack against faithfulness. I believe that the media portrays faithfulness as foolish. They always portray the righteous as bumbling stumbling, fumbling, backwards, dumb. And wickedness is always exalted. It's always exciting. It's always cutting edge. It's always portrayed as glamorous. It is a lie. Anybody that's been in sin can tell you it is a lie. 
It is Nebuchadnezzar's image and the world is bowing to it. And there has to be a church that says, I can see through it. I can see behind the gold. I can see behind the pomp and the circumstance. I can see behind the lie. I see corruption. I see degeneration. I see wickedness and uncleanness. Amen. When... When Nebuchadnezzar dreamed, he saw an image of the kingdoms of the world. Head of gold, chest of silver, loins of brass, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay mixed. <laughs> but later on, when God showed Daniel the same nations, it wasn't a glorious and terrible image, but it was, they were beasts. And they were beasts such as the world has never seen. Things put together the way God never intended for them to be put together. Misshapen, distorted, broken, wrong. Wings where they weren't supposed to be. Claws where they weren't supposed to be. Composites and, and things thrown together. Man thinks it's great, but God says, uh-uh, let me show you what it really looks like to me. I'm glad I have the best life. The world thinks their life is so great and so beautiful and they bow to their image. But, but I'm so glad I'm in the church. I'm, I'm glad that I'm serving a God that puts things together the way. He, he allows men to be men. He allows women to be women. He raises up children in the fear and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Train up a child in the way that it shall go. And when it's old, it will not depart from it. We're not supposed to be shooting up schools and, and, and having drug busts. We're supposed to be in the house of God with our hands lifted to heaven and blessing the creator. I need some apostolic young people to say I'm part of that. I'm part of that. I don't want corruption. I don't want degeneracy. I don't want uncleanness. I don't want it. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Amen. And so, the repetition of faithfulness, the world tries to paint it as boredom. They make you think that it's not happening. They make you think it's the same old, same old. We, we are living in an overstimulated, desensitized, strung up high strung society that if, if it's not blinking or buzzing or clicking then they can't watch it to sit through 45 minutes of preaching is like asking them to die as the devil steals the word of God out of people's hearts and he he leads them down a dark path. He tells them that it's foolish, it's stupid to be faithful. It's crazy to be faithful. You need to get out and do your thing. You need to get out and, and, and live life to the fullest. You only have one life to live. That's what they say, isn't it? Um, what is it, YOLO? Only live once? You only live once? And that's the catchphrase. The Beatles told us that we were supposed to imagine a world where there was no God. 
made millions off of their music. That world is in chaos tonight. Carnal people think church is boring because of the repetition. And they'll come and they'll hear music and they'll hear preaching and they'll hear... And, and, and if they're not praying and if, and if you're not uh, staying in the spirit, corruption will set in. Degeneracy will set in and you'll move from the front to the middle to the back to the back, finally out to the parking lot and then you're not coming to church any longer. And they'll call faithfulness boring. The repetition of daily prayer. I'm going to tell you what, you're never more powerful than when you pray every day. Somebody has to fall in love with prayer. Somebody has to fall in love with the continual coming. Somebody has to come and say, I'm doing it again, Jesus. Here I am again, Jesus. Amen. But that same backslider will come back years later and they'll bless the church. And they'll realize faithfulness isn't boring. Faithfulness is continuous. That's right. Those songs and that preaching that you ran from, that's what kept the church here. And it's what, that's what keeps the church in place so you have a place to come back to. And five years down the road after you've wrecked your life and after you've poured your life out and you've destroyed your children and maybe lost your marriage and maybe lost your business, you walk back into a church because a man of God was faithful and because people of God are faithful and because saints of God lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. They're reflecting God. God is faithful, so I am faithful. Hey man, there's a, there is a life-giving, a, a blessing. There, there is a regenerative effect that comes from God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Amen. We, we continue to do what we do because God continues to do what he does. Amen. I, 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 the, the scripture, uh, Jeremiah makes the statement. He said, it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. <laughs> Great is thy faithfulness. Thy mercies are new every morning. How, there, there, there is something cosmic to faithfulness. The repetition of God. Oh, God is faithful today. God is faithful today. Amen. I, I just want to tell you a little bit about the faithfulness of God. I, I, I don't just come to church because I have nothing else better to do. I, I'm, I come to church because I want to be faithful to God. I'm faithful to God because God's faithful to me. Amen. There's not a person in this room. Not a person in this room that had to think this morning about whether or not the sun was going to rise. God is so faithful that you, you don't even think about it. It's easy to ignore the faithful. It's easy to overlook the faithful. It's easy to over and take for granted the faithful. It's easy to casually dismiss the faithful. Hallelujah. God is so faithful that when he set the sun in its place and he said, let there be, it, he didn't have a bad day where it stopped shining. 
He didn't backslide and cause it to stop shining, but God's faithfulness makes it shine day after day after day. You can set your clock by the faithfulness of God. And if I'm going to worship God, I'm going to worship God in the kind of faithfulness that he blesses me with. I I wonder... Hallelujah. You can read a newspaper and the newspaper will tell you that the sun is going to rise at 734 in the morning and you can set your clock by it because your God is faithful. And at that time, there it is. And God's word goes forth. And it's so simple and it's so powerful that people calmly walk by it drinking their coffee or their latte. And they go to work and they never bless the name of the Lord. God is so faithful that you don't even think about it anymore. But that's the kind of faithfulness that holds everything together. That kind of steadfastness, that kind of immovability, hallelujah. I like pastors that mirror that kind of faithfulness. I like pastors that are there every Sunday and they're full of the Holy Ghost. I like men of God and women of God that pray and call on the name. Sunday morning, you know where they're going to be. Sunday night, you know where they're going to be. When they wake up, they pray. Not because... They have nothing else to do, but they do it because he's faithful. He's faithful. Because he's faithful. I'm faithful. Hallelujah. God. Oh, well. Uh, young people do it all the time. Young adults do it all the time. I, I'm so bored. I need to look at something. I need to date somebody new. I, 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 need, to, I need to get in trouble. They start hanging out with the wrong crowd. They start going to the wrong places. They're so addicted to their cell phones that they can't read their Bible. (laughs) Hallelujah. Repetition isn't boring. Repetition is faithful. Hallelujah. The air that you're breathing, it goes in and it goes out. And it goes in and it goes out. And it goes in and it goes out. And it does it again and 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 again. That's how my praise is supposed to be. It's just supposed to be again and again and again and again. Because he's faithful. I'm faithful. The beating while I'm sleeping at night. My heart beats. My heart beats. Because God is faithful. Because God is faithful. And if God is faithful to me, then I've got to be faithful to him. I'm talking about the kind of faithfulness that you can just forget about it. It's just going to happen. It's just going to take place. It's just going to be there. You don't have to worry. It's just... You ever meet those kind of saints? You just know they're going to be there. Sunday morning, there they are. Sunday night, there they are. Midweek, there they are. Prayer meeting, there they are. That's because God is faithful. Somebody got a revelation of who he is, and that's how I'm going to be. I'm going to pray like that. I'm going to worship like that. I'm going to come to church like that. I'm going to give like that. Churches are built by faithful people who enter into a cosmic dynamic that say, I'm not going to be a wandering star. I'm not going to be here and there and gone tomorrow. I'm not going to be...
Charisma gets attention, but faith gets it done. And so there is a a cyclical nature. There is a circular nature to eternal things. That is a cohesive binding type of a thing. God doesn't just give one time, but he is faithful in it. He brings life. Okay, we've got to have people that know how to speak life into a situation. There's a lot of marriages that would do a lot better if both parties would learn to speak life instead of speaking death. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And when a man speaks life, he's not criticizing, he's not mocking, he's not detracting, he's not tearing down, but he's speaking life, he's speaking faith, he's speaking hope. He is entering into a spiritual dynamic where he's bringing something, he's not taking something. There's a cyclical nature to the things of God. God will bless and then he'll do it again. He'll bless and then he'll do it again. There's a continuity to it. There's been many scholars who have noted that when they look into the molecular world, they see they see a nucleus. They see protons and electrons and neutrons and they They see them whirling and swirling and repeating patterns, stability. And those are the basic building blocks of our universe. And if you look through a microscope, you can see those things. An electron microscope, if you turn that same magnifying ability on the heavens, you'll see the exact same pattern as the planets rotate around the sun. And, and, and they orbit around each other and, 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 and it just whirls and it moves and it is all a testament and it's the fingerprint that God is faithful. Amen. The sun's going to rise again tomorrow. You're going to have air to breathe tomorrow. Faithfulness is not boring. Goodness is not boring. It holds the world together. It holds everything. Through faith, we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Faithfulness makes it work. Faithfulness, it makes a marriage go. It makes children go. It makes a church go. It makes an individual go. God pulls me out of chaos and he sticks me in a stable environment. He establishes my pattern. He gives me my course. He sets me. Amen. I don't care how talented you are. If you can't pray and read your Bible daily, the chances are you're not going to make heaven. Because there's a breakdown when you get out of the cycle. There's a breakdown when you get out of the heavenly cycle that God has in store. When sin into the world it began to break down. It began to deteriorate. It began to consume. It began, see, because God, not, it's not only God that has cycles. The devil has cycles too. The church has faithfulness, but sin has a satanic faithfulness. It's called addiction. And the devil's interested in repeat customers. 
He'll keep you coming back. He's interested in getting you hooked when you're young. Because he'll have a lifetime customer. He's interested in hell's faithfulness. Its own model of cyclical dynamics. There are people in here that are struggling to break out of hellish cycles. Thank you, Brother Lambeth, for speaking what you did because because you made the point that it's better it's better to go into heaven blind, halt, maimed, than it is to go into hell whole. Hell has an agenda tonight. It has an agenda. And, and, and the latter part of that verse, it gets into hell's cycles. Because he said it's better to, to go into heaven. It's better to go into life than into hell. And then he has a statement. He says where, where, where the fire is not quenched and their worm dieth not. And I, I, I was a, a typical apostolic kid growing up. I, whenever I would hear that portion of scripture, I just imagined people in flames of hell and, and night crawlers crawling on them. I had this picture of fishing worms, and, and I thought, well, that, that, that's a bad place. And apparently those worms don't die. <clears throat> but it, it didn't mean worm in that sense. It, it, meant, it meant it in a different sense. The, the word for hell there, it's not Hades, it's not Sheol. Those are words for grave. The word hell there means Gehenna. And, and it literally means the place of Hinnom, the sons of Hinnom. It's a place where in Old Testament times they offered up children as sacrifice to Molech. And it was, the valley of Hinnom was right outside at the bottom of Mount Zion. It was a valley, it was a low place, it was a place where they threw the garbage. It was a place where they threw the trash. It was a place where they, they threw the refuse and, and, and they, would, they would keep a perpetual fire burning out there. They never let that fire go out because it was a consuming kind of a thing. The trash would burn. They would keep it burning. And, 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 and there, were, there were a lot of flies there. When they, when they had the body of a murderer, they would throw it out there. They wouldn't bury it. When... when, when Judas hung himself and bought the Potiphar's, the potter's field, and, and, and they called it a seldoma, and they bought it with, with the 30 pieces of silver. It was by the valley of Hinnom, and it was a place where he fell, and his, gowls, his bowels gushed outward, and it was a place of criminals. It was a, a place where vagrants and people who were outside the kingdom uh, died and were done away with, and, and there was a consuming that took place there. There was a cyclical nature to sin that devoured there. My goodness. I don't want to be outside the kingdom of God. I don't ever want to lose what I feel in this building right now.
I don't want sin to get its claws into me. I don't want to lose the sweet spirit of God that I feel here right now. But I want to stay in Jerusalem. I want to stay in Mount Zion. I want to stay in the holy city. One thing have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. If I forget Jerusalem, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth and let my right hand forget your cunning I want to keep the church at the foremost of my mind the worship, the praise, the preaching the moving of the Holy Ghost I don't want my children to lose out on the beautiful things of God the worm dieth not is a reference to sin cycle Because what it means is that flies would land upon the dead corpses in Gehenna. Flies are attracted to death. And there they land and they gather. Anybody here that's ever let meat sit out, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody that's ever had something die, you know what I'm talking about. There are ammonias and there are smells that can be set off from something decaying and something dying that will attract things that will consume and that will destroy. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. There is a cycle in sin that can be set in motion to where the devil can begin to devour the things you hold dear. Listen, I value innocence. I value virginity. I I value chastity. I value honesty. It's not to be mocked. It's not to be ridiculed. It's to be protected. I'm not going to let the locust come in and devour the beautiful green precious things that God has given. I'm not going to allow God to take my sincerity and turn it into sarcasm and devour my hope and devour my faith and devour my righteousness and devour my health and devour my marriage and devour my... No! No! But that's what happens outside the walls. The cycle of it works like this. The fly lands. The phrase, the worm dieth not, it's a reference not to earthworms. It's a reference to maggots. And the fly lands. And it deposits its larvae. Because that's a good food source. And then the fly leaves. The larvae turns into a maggot, which that's what that word worm means. And it consumes. It turns into a fly. Flies back. And plants more worms. And they consume. A little bit more. Fly away. Come back. And plant some more. This is God's way. Of breaking things down. This is how sin gets a hold of a person's life. I, I, I know that young men think that they can get away with looking at certain images, and it's not a big deal, but you have to be careful because when that first image flutters across your mind, you think it's not a big deal, but it's just the first feelings of the flies landing. 
you almost can't feel them. You almost don't even know they're there. You almost can't tell it's happening. But there's something being planted in your spirit. Something being deposited in your psyche. Something that will devour and they'll take away what is there. And it will come back, you see, because the worm dieth not. It comes back. It comes back. It comes back. Until as the years pass, you're not the same person that you were. Something is missing. Something is broken. Something is corrupted. Something is changing. You don't pray like you used to pray. You don't worship like you used to worship. You don't come to the altar like you used to come to the altar. Because you're in sin's cycle. And it's devouring. It's, I'm telling you, it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. I need God to rebuke the devourer off of my teenagers. Rebuke the devourer out of my youth group. Rebuke the devourer. It's a devouring thing. It's a consuming thing. It takes away a little bit each time. Until there's only a skeleton left. Have you ever noticed? This is true. This, this, this is true of the breakdown. As the morals of men and women break down. The flies land. And they consume. You know, did you know that there's actually a field in forensics? It's called entomotoxicology. That's a big fancy word that just means we study bugs. But they can actually go to a dead body and they can tell by the generations of flies how long they've been dead. Because this fly will only lay eggs at this point and it will grow to this size and it's at this point in its development and they can say this body has been dead for seven days or 14 days or however many days. And I just wonder if, if we took a spiritual forensic microscope and put it on some people's lives, if we could find out how long it's been since they've prayed. How long it's been since they've opened up a Bible. If we could count by the dead bodies of the flies around them, how long it's been since they've been in the house of God and lifted. How long have you been dead in your spirit? How long have you been dead in yourself? Somebody has got to grab a hold of themselves and say, I've got to get into God's plan. I have got to, I got to grab a hold of my flesh and say, I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. I will not degenerate. I will not decompose. I will not fall apart. I did my God have mercy. We're going to pray in this house. We're going to worship in this house. We're going to come on kids. Put on your clothes. We're going to church. Come on honey. Get dressed. We're going to church. We're not going to hang around them. We're not going there. I can't let sin cycle get a grip on me. This is who Beelzebub was. He was the Lord of the flies. 
In Egypt, when God brought flies, he was telling the Egyptians, there is no cycle you can come up with that I can't trump. You have the Lord of the flies. I have the Lord of the Lord of the flies. They looked at Jesus and said, man, you're casting out devils by devils. By the power of Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, he casts out devils. And Jesus looked at them and he said, if Satan cast out Satan, then his kingdom were divided. A house divided against itself cannot stand. It's not the power of the devil that I'm doing this. The devil can't cast out Satan. This is why right now the world is all up in arms because of gay marriage and because of homosexual rights and all of these dynamics. And they're trying to stand up in righteousness. But they gave up a long time ago. The decomposition is too far gone. The flies have devoured everything good. And Beelzebub can't cast out Beelzebub. Adulterers can't cast out unclean spirits. Fornicators can't cast out unrighteousness. You have no moral standing. You have nothing to talk about. It takes a man of God. It takes a woman of God. It takes an apostolic church to reach down and grab a hold of somebody and cast out devils and give dominion. Ah, Come on. Come on. Somebody. I will not be corrupted. I will not decompose. I'm going to live. I'm going to praise. I'm going to worship. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Uh, Can I have a couple more minutes? Come on, somebody get into God's cycle. Come on, pray again. He Shout again. Dance. Do it again. I do it because God does it. He blesses me. I praise him again. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's good. I'm defying corruption. I'm defying darkness. I'm defying uncleanness. I'm defying degeneracy. Whew, musicians can come. God knows how to stop cycles. God knows how to stop cycles. Amen. This power when you start getting into God's cycle. This power when you start coming before God and worshiping God. You stop the corruption cycle and you get into the life-giving cycle. You stop the taking cycle and you get into the giving cycle. You, you stop the cursing cycle and you get into the blessing cycle. As <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God knows how to stop cycles. Yes, he does. He can take somebody who's an alcoholic and he can fill them with the Holy Ghost. And he can stop the degeneration. He can tell corruption no more. He can tell uncleanness no more. I'm cleaning them out. I'm washing them out. I'm putting my name on them. I'm filling them with my spirit. Hallelujah. Hey! 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm not going to be a consumer. I'm going to be a giver. I'm not going to be a corrupter. I'm going to be one who blesses God. Hallelujah. Man, I wish I had more time. If I had more time, I'd talk about Samson killing the lion. And when he came back, Samson, he didn't find flies and he didn't find corruption. He found bees and he found honey. Because God's going to stop you from being a consumer and he's going to start making you a giver. He's going to stop He's going to stop you from being a taker and he's going to... Out of the eater comes forth meat. Out of the strong comes forth sweetness. God's going to take you and make you a giver. He's going to make you in his image. He's going to make you a praiser. He's going to make you a shouter. He's going to make you a dancer. He's going to make you a singer. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the church, honey. That's the church of the living God. That's the Jesus name, people. That's the one God, people. All right, I got to close. I got to close. Hey, Karabo Shaya. But this is why you want to get baptized in Jesus' name. And this is why you want to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Because corruption got every one of the patriarchs. Corruption got Abraham. Corruption got Isaac. The, the Bible says that the worms will feed sweetly upon them. They say to the worm, thou art my father. Corruption, thou art my father. And to the worm, thou art my mother and my sister. That's the whole nature of this fallen world we live in. Except for Jesus. Abraham died and saw corruption. David died and saw corruption. But prophetically, he lifted up his eyes and he spoke to that spirit of decay and that spirit of death and that spirit of wickedness. And he said, thou wilt not leave my soul in hell and neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life and in thy presence, O Lord, is fullness of joy. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said David died and he lived in corruption and he saw corruption but he prophesied about Jesus Jesus died and on the third day before the worms got him before the bugs got him before the boogaboos got him hallelujah the Holy Ghost started moving on him and the corruption cycle stopped and the life cycle started Fingers started moving. Hands started moving. Feet started moving. Eyelids started fluttering. And he rose up. And he said, I am he that it was dead and is alive. Come on. Is there anybody that wants to overcome the corruptive influence of this world? Now, why is that a big deal? Because if that same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal bodies. Yeah! I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about that great getting up morning. I'm talking about the resurrection. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all 
sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. This mortal shall put on immortality, and this corruptible shall put on incorruption. shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death where is thy sting grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God thanks be to God thanks be to God somebody praise him again somebody shout again Come on, young man. Come on, young lady. I will not be corrupted. I will not be. Somebody lift your hands to heaven. Somebody lift your voice right now. Praise him again. Shout again. Dance again. Sing again. He's faithful. He's good. Change your cycle. Change your cycle. Come on, liar. Change your cycle. Come on, pornographer. Change your cycle. Somebody lift up your voice and shout unto God right now. Let the Holy Ghost move. Let the Holy Ghost move. Somebody cry out to him right now. I'm reversing the curse. I'm changing the cycle. I'm in the church. I'm in the kingdom. I'm in Jerusalem. I'm in Zion. I'm in the city. Set on a hill. I want some young people, I want you to lift your hands to heaven right now. Hallelujah. I want you to lift up your voice right now and call on the name of Jesus. I want you to shout like you've never shouted before. I am Jesus' name. I am one God. I'm not going to let the corrupter get a hold of me. Come on. Somebody bless him right now. Somebody call on his name. I'm going to give him everything. I'm not a taker. I'm a giver. I'm not a cursor. I'm a blesser. I'm not. That's it. That's it. Right now. Right now. As they sing. Right now. Cry. 